Hello, everyone. Thank you all for tuning in to No Sleep today. We are back after a long summer break. I'm your host for this month, Shandrea Washington, and I have with me Norvell, um, our two new co-hosts, Natiana and Calvin. Norvell's here, Shandrea. How's it going? I was going great. How are you doing? Can't complain. A lot of, a lot of new stuff going on, but uh, it's been a good summer so far. I know you had a big thing that happened to you over the summer break. You want to talk to the people about that? <laughs> yeah, sure. I had something like crazy happen. So unexpected. No, I'm kidding. Very expected. Nine <laughs> months uh, Nine months waiting on, on my son. My firstborn son uh, came to the world a couple, year, a couple weeks ago. Um, we're both third, so excited uh, to finally meet my baby boy. Yeah, new stuff. Great, great stuff, though, definitely. That sounds amazing. I'm <laughs> I'm sure you've been getting all the sleep that you need, of course. You know, your schedule hasn't been impacted at all, I'm sure, because, of course, oh, yeah. new babies don't do that. <laughs> yeah, this guy sleeps, gets him a good eight to ten hours a day, you know, sleeps at nighttime like regular people. No, of course not. He's up every hour and a half, <laughs> ready to eat and sleep, but, you know, wouldn't change it for the world. Oh, I know. I know that has to be a great experience. Um, I myself just got back from the West African nation of Ghana, not too long ago, I got to spend some time there with my family. My husband and I were both consulting for a vocational school out there and just getting to live in a different culture and experience life on a pretty much all-black continent. And I don't know, just seeing all that was such a beautiful experience. It was such a wonderful bonding experience for my husband and I and my daughter to all experience together. And yeah, that's that's what we did with our summer. <laughs> That's pretty dope. How, how long did you have to plan for that? Oh, well, considering that we had to do it for school, we had to plan, I want to say, eight months in advance. We had to secure, like, the organizations and the hosts that we were going to live with while we were there and really build a relationship and build up our proposals for the work that we were going to do, have our work plans and everything in order on top of having to wonder or get plane tickets and find housing and food and all that kind of stuff. So it it was a very long process. <laughs> and I think we have, do we have uh, Natiana with us now? Hey, hey, I'm here. Hey, it's good to have you. So, Thank as you. one of the new hosts, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but go ahead and um, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. You know, what, what brought you here to No Sleep and what perspective do you have to share with them now that you're here with us? Okay, so my name is Natiana Rochelle. I'm a senior at Clark Atlanta University. I'm from Atlanta. And basically, I love to write, so I've written for magazines and everything like that, but I definitely wanted to try something different. And I really love this 
the idea of this show because it's about millennials and it's for millennials, and I feel like we have a voice to speak up and we have a platform to use that, so I love that. That is really awesome. I think it's so cool that you've written for magazines and stuff like that. I've been writing for a long time, and I was always afraid to kind of put myself out there. It was kind of like coming on this show, too. Like, I've never, I had never done anything like that before. But, like, last year sometime, I submitted some stuff to a literary journal, and I got something accepted on their website and in print. So it was, like, a really big experience for me. So just hearing you talk about how that's something that you've been into for a long time is really cool to me. So what did you do with your summer break, Natiana? We were just talking about some of the things that happened to us. I lived in Ghana for a little while, and Norvell just welcomed his first son to the world. So what are what were some things that you did over the summer? Oh, yes, congratulations on the baby boy, by the way. Appreciate um, that. This summer, I really just travel and just enjoy life and family. I went on a cruise for the first time ever. We went to Mexico, wow. and... It was so nice. Like I felt like growing up, you know, we'd be around we'd be around our family but then we start getting busy and life happens. So it was just nice to be around them again and just to experience new things together. That's so cool. Getting to travel with your family like that. That that's something that I wanna do someday soon. Unfortunately I doubt I'll be able to get my granny on an airplane. <laughs> So we're also going to talk a little bit tonight about some of all the headlines that have passed over the past couple of months. So we've had, in more recent times, we've had mass shootings. We had Santonia Brown being released from prison today. We've had all types of comments in the Twitter sphere from the president referring to going back to where you've come from. We've had trade wars. We've had pretty much a lot going on over the past couple of months of summer. How have some of how do some of these issues affect how we as millennials move through the world or what are what are some of the issues that stuck out to you you two the most? Um, I would say the the mass shootings are like, I think they're happening so often that people are starting to become desensitized. Um, and I say that to say that it's, it's almost starting to become normal when something so heinous should never be normal. You know, such a, a malicious act of violence should, should never be normalized in America or anywhere on this earth. And, uh, I think that it's happening so frequently and, uh, I think the culture or the climate of America right now with, you know, people being like outwardly racist, um, the president, you know, inciting a lot of this racism, um, it's just getting out of control when people are doing stuff like this. And, you know, it takes the cake that, you know, these mass shooters are, you know, being publicized as, mentally challenged and you know they blame it on the video games and these types of things but there's an unarmed black man 
um, being killed out in the streets, and that just doesn't doesn't sit right with me. And you know, I'd be lying mm-hmm. if I said this is something new. Um, this has been happening for a very long time, and I think just the rise of social media is uh, really giving a lot of these injustices an avenue to get out there to the people so that they know what's going on. But there's a, a ill over this country, and uh, these mass shootings are getting out of control. Um, I'm big on protecting myself and big on protecting my family. You know, after we had these mass shootings, I went and, you know, spent the last two days on a gun range making sure that, you know, I'm good with my firearms. And if I need to protect myself or anybody else, I can do that. But it's crazy because I shouldn't have to feel like that, you know, in, in America where, you know, it's supposed to be the land of the free. So that's something that really just been, you know, sitting heavy on my spirit lately, these mass shootings. Yeah, same here. It's just as soon as, you know, you get on social media now, that's the first thing, or you watch the news, that's the first thing that you see. And it's really sad now because, like Norvell said, it's it's like normal now. It's like now I just Mm -hmm. expect to see it. I expect to hear a mass shooting going on. I expect it to happen. And it's it's sad that this is the world that we are starting to live in, and this is the world that we have to be normal, have normal time to just think about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with both of you. One of the things that shook me as a parent was knowing that active shooter drills were just as frequent and practiced at the same rate as like a fire drill or a tornado drill. That's how normalized it has become in our society, where that's even something that kids have to practice as a part of their monthly drills. And I don't know, that just, that it really blows my mind that we've seen such increases in, like Norvell said, like some of this blatant hate and racism and all these acts that just keep transpiring just because people have this hate within them. And it, it really does suck that we live in a world or something like that is so common where you can't even go to like the mall or the Walmart or anywhere without really feeling that you're safe. Like you said, feeling the need to protect yourself and to know how to protect yourself when you're in these situations. That shouldn't be our job as human beings all day, every day, wondering where we can and can't go. And to think about how much anxiety that probably gives people just after having to live through things like this, just back to back, like we've been having to deal with lately. Is there anything else that has really stuck out to you guys or that has made you... I don't know. Anything that has given you a feeling lately, maybe it was some good news that finally happened. You know, what I've been seeing good is coming out of like this this blatant hate and racism. I'm I'm seeing a lot of people in communities unite, and that's something that um, I feel like a lot of impoverished communities and demographics – minorities have been needing for years, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think, 
you know, black people, you know, just to use that, that uh, demographic have been really, really united um, like this since like Dr. King, Malcolm X days, mm-hmm. you know, um, we haven't had just like that, you know, standout leader that's, you know, really trying to unite the people to fight these injustices. And I'm starting to see that uh, happen and spark up again, uh, different demographics. Um, just me, I, I actually moved back home to Michigan, uh, back home to Detroit uh, a few months ago. I've been living in California. And uh, one of the main reasons I wanted to move back was to really give back to my community and, you know, really help fight all these uh, crazy things that are going on, you know, in our communities. And uh, there's so many organizations, you know, that are you know, really trying to prepare the community, really trying to teach people, um, not even from like a, a racial inequality standpoint, but from the standpoint of like building wealth. Uh, there's people like uh, Jay Morrison. I think he's originally from New Jersey. I think he lives in maybe like Oklahoma or something like that, but he's really like going to, you know, impoverished neighborhoods in the hood and, you know, predominantly black cities and trying to teach people uh, the ins and outs of real estate so that we can try and build some wealth, some generational mm-hmm. wealth for free. And he goes on the corners, wow. street corners, and, and he teaches. Um, and, and, you know, I, I really respect that because I think, people have had kind of like that crabs in a bucket mentality for so long. It's like, you know, Mm -hmm. we're all, you know, fighting to survive and we're just, you know, climbing on top of each other instead of helping each other out. Um, And and I think people like him are really starting to uh, do the right thing and really starting to, you know, exemplify that leadership that we need in our community. So I've been seeing a lot of that good, you know, coming up out of all this nonsense and, you know, me being a, a avid believer, you know, in Christ, uh, the Bible says that, you know, he's always working all these bad things out for your good. So I can definitely see a silver lining and all this nonsense for sure. That's really cool. I wish I knew, well, not, not to say that we don't have shining examples of people doing that same thing here in Little Rock because there are plenty of people who are on the ground, on the scenes with people every day. It's just I wouldn't even know where to start on listing all those people. But it's so cool to know that there are people actively working to change some of the things that are really affecting us every day because they realize the help isn't going to come from outside necessarily. And to see... Well, that was really, that was something that I saw over in Ghana as well. The community, there were, there were people who were a part of a government program who just went out to the communities. They got the, the permission from the communities to come and talk to them about what kind of issues they might be dealing with out there. And so they would talk about, they would select what issues from a group of pictures were prevalent in their area, they would talk about the cause, the effects, and the solutions. And the community would work together to figure out why are some of these things happening and what can we do to make stuff better so that our kids don't have to go through these types of things and don't have to carry that type of weight on them every day. And while we were watching that unfold, just watching all these people who might not have necessarily known each other, but they were working together 
to try to figure out how to make things better. And they were so receptive to the information and just, I don't know, the energy there was so great. And just being able to see that kind of grassroots connection, those types of people on the ground in the communities really working together to change things and make a difference. That was a really great experience. And it sounds like it's been great for you to watch this person who's really been doing all that stuff as well. Chandra, how do you feel about, like, people, you know, having so many outreaches overseas, like in Africa, when there's, like, a lot of people that need help, you know, stateside in America? (laughs) Well, that's something... I got to really experience firsthand over the summer, like how I've I've been working in nonprofits and working with different organizations here for years, and it's so hard to get any kind of change here because of the bureaucracy and how people just want to hold on to their projects and things that they started, and they're not open to change at all. But... And oh, there's also like family monopolies and just different people who have control over what happens here that you might not necessarily know about when you think that, oh, I can just go out here and make a difference. There are roadblocks in your way that you're not even able to see yet. But in developing countries, and I say that with quotation, because the only reason that they're developing is because they've been exploited by people who were supposed to help them at times. But they, they're they ready for all of that. They want all the change that can happen because they've been excluded from information. They've been excluded from resources. So they're very receptive to what you have to bring them. And they feel like you coming in, you're the expert, you know, especially if you want to work with them and, help employ them and do anything to make the areas that they're living in better. It's much easier to have change in those areas than it is here because it's not anybody controlling it behind the scenes. And that's that's my perspective on it, at least. Yeah, I've always been curious about that because I know there's a lot of backlash from people that go overseas and do, you know, kind of like missionary work and really trying to do outreach programs, you know, uh, not in the United States. And people are like, mm-hmm. well, you know, there are tons of people that need help, you know, in America. And why aren't you helping in your community? You know, some of that stuff has always been, you know, uh, a topic of discussion for me. Like I, I've participated in multiple nonprofits, but not many in my home town of, of, of Detroit just because, you know, mm-hmm. I just haven't had the opportunity and I've gotten backlash like, well, why don't you do uh, this stuff for your own community? And um, mm-hmm. it's just, I never had the opportunity, but I was asking uh, a colleague of mine. Um, she's actually in the real estate industry as well. She's a, a general contractor and she, you know, rebuilds houses and she invests in homes and everything. And, uh, she holds seminars in Florida on to teach people how to invest in Detroit real estate. And I just see on her Facebook page and her uh, Instagram page how people are just, you know, 
malicious and like, well, why aren't you teaching Detroit people how to invest in uh, our own city? We're the ones who need it. We're the ones who, you know, really need the help and everything. And um, her feedback is like, yeah, you know, I do, you know, try and give free classes, you know, like every week on like a Wednesday, but nobody shows up or you don't mm-hmm. want to listen or, you know, that type of mm-hmm. thing, you know, so she's going where she can have an impact and where her business can thrive. So that's where mm-hmm. she's getting investors from and you can't do anything but respect that. But it's crazy how people will paint you uh, as, you know, not really wanting to get back to the community when there's so many glass ceilings that keep you from doing that. So I totally understand mm-hmm. your point on that. Yeah, I definitely get that because as much as you want to help, you still have to eat. And if people aren't going to show up, and that's a lot of hard work. It takes a lot to go into developing those kind of programs and putting putting together facilitated discussions. It takes a lot of background research and stuff to get into that. So, of course, you're not going to want to keep doing that in a place that's not receptive. So anyway, it is time for us to take a break. I want to invite you all to call in at 563-999-3660 if you would like to tell us about some issues that have been concerning you over the summer. And we'll get back to you. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong. CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are a strong advocate for life empowerment, like empowering a generation that has been grossly misunderstood and disparaged to shatter the misconceptions about them. No Sleep was created to give millennials a platform to express themselves and let the world know who they really are and what they believe, their values, interests, fears, and more. This is a diverse group, gender-wise and racially, that we are very, very proud of. We invite you to tune in, whether you are a millennial or not, and learn from these outstanding young people. Listen every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 7 o'clock p.m. Central for No Sleep, Shattering Millennial Misconceptions. From the bargain hunter to the overspender, we all have a unique relationship with the almighty dollar. But how can a basic understanding of our relationship with money help us better manage it now and in the future? As children, there are certain messages we learn about money from our parents, from what they say about it to what they do with it. And these messages are organized in our brains at a very early age. It really does help to form our money personality. In an effort to help people understand their financial habits, nationally recognized financial experts John and Eileen Gallo have teamed up with Visa to create a money personality quiz. This quiz is based on a concept developed by the Gallos that each of us develops a unique relationship with our money in three areas, acquisition, use, and management. 
This interactive tool, comprised of three interactive rulers, each representing three different skill areas, helps consumers assess and measure different aspects of their money styles. And it gives you tips on how you can go change your behaviors in each of those three different areas. This allows you not only to understand what your relationship is with money, but in the future to make better financial decisions. For more information, visit practicalmoneyskills.com. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electrosynth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we were... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are a strong advocate for life empowerment, like empowering a generation that has been grossly misunderstood and disparaged to shatter the misconceptions about them. No Sleep was created to give millennials a platform to express themselves and let the world know who they really are and what they believe, their values, interests, fears, and more. This is a diverse group, gender-wise and racially, that we are very, very proud of. We invite you to tune in, whether you are a millennial or not, and learn from these outstanding young people. Listen every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 7 o'clock p.m. Central for No Sleep, Shattering Millennial Misconceptions. Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. Welcome back, everyone. I want to give our listeners the number again to call in if they like to participate in our discussion. It is 563-999-3660. So before we left, we were talking about just topics that have um, sparked our interest over the past couple of months. And Norvell and I kind of got into talking about public service abroad versus in our local communities. And we didn't get to talk about Natiana's experience with that or your perspective with that. And I just wanted to know if you had anything you wanted to add to that. 
Um, yes, I would. So I also had the opportunity to um, go to Paris. It wasn't this summer. It was like in March for spring break. And so being over there and experiencing their culture, you get to see that this similar um, as it is over here, you know, um, black people, we go through the same thing almost everywhere. Mm. So it's, it was really interesting to see them going through the same thing. Like you see their advertisements, you know, they're not showing them there. They don't really let them film how they want to film. They can't really, you know, speak out like that. So it's interesting to see that. And then um, I don't know if you guys heard about the little the things that were going on with the um, – it wasn't like a war, but it was people that was, like, trying to speak out, but not against that. It was, like, over work. And mm-hmm. I just have an issue with, like, it's a whole lot of things that, you know, people can speak out against, and but they chose to speak out against, you know. I'm, gonna say, I'm not going to say it's not important because it is important, but – it's just, I feel like now is the time to really speak up and, like Novell was saying, unify with each other because it's getting too crazy in the world, everywhere in the world. Mhm. Yeah, that was definitely my experience in Ghana, too. And even sometimes it was almost like this constant comparison of what we as black people just existing in the world experience. Like, I don't know, kind of like a a one up on the pain that you experience. Like I bet I experience more oppression than you. It all, it almost turns into one of those kind of battles, um, kind of because we are both on the the receiving end of so much. Just being a part of this global society that we have and the connotations that are placed on blackness and anything that we want to do or anything that we want to be or just our existence. And so knowing that I don't like say over there, it's hard to invest in education because different people in the education system want all the money for themselves. And then you look back over here and think like, well, that's Sorry about that. (laughs) But you look back and you think, like, that's kind of going on over in the United States as well. We have to worry about where our education dollars are going and why our kids can't have great schools. And just seeing how so many different places and different nationalities have to go through the same systems of oppression just by existing. Something else that happened recently in headlines that kind of got to me was the death of Toni Morrison. She was um, a, a laureate. She was a Nobel Prize winner. I believe President Obama also gave her like a Medal of Freedom or one of those medals. And she passed. And she was one of the people that, whose writing I've I've known to be very inspirational and to have changed the lives of many people who read it and went on to write and went on into literature and filmmaking and just the way she talked about black lives and activism and gave to the world was just so incredible. And 
I don't know, her her death kind of hurt me. She was one of those people that I wished I would have gotten to meet in life at like a conference or something. Who are who might be some of those people for you that you hope to get to meet or that you wish you would have gotten to meet before they passed on? Uh, for me, and and not the same thing about Toni Morrison. I think she was, uh, you know, such a shining example. And you know, I, I was sad too when she passed. I, you know, gained a lot of respect for her, you know, in probably the last five years or so. I've been reading a lot more. I've been reading uh, a lot of black literature, and um, there were so many authors uh, and and writers that I didn't even know about, uh, books that were, like, a part of, like, the foundation of the black experience in America that I had never read. So, you know, I'm just starting my journey into black literature, and and much respect to Toni Morrison. For me... You know, I'm I'm more of a music guy. You know, uh, music is like a, a big part of me. Um, and there's just like musicians that I wish I would have got a chance to meet. Like, I don't know, like Prince, you know, uh, Michael Jackson, uh, you know, like iconic, you know, figures in music for me. You know, in my generation, I just feel like, hey, can I just sit down and just have a chat with you for like 10, 15 minutes? Um mm-hmm an Activision space, you know, like Dr. King, you know, Malcolm X, it's like 10, 15 minutes, you know, like that's all I would need, you know, just ask as many questions. I probably wouldn't even talk, you know, I'll probably just sit there and listen <laughs> for, you know, as long as I could. But uh, those would be just a few people that, you know, I wish I would have had a chance to meet uh, before they, they departed. Well, I was a fan of Toni Morrison too, and her death really hurt me as well. It actually brought me back to when Maya Angelou passed because my favorite of all time. So it really brought me back. Um, I'm ready to walk together and they march together and everything like that. Uh oh, you're breaking up a little bit, Nantiana. Oh, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, now I can. Thank you. March together and everything like that. So I definitely want to meet Angela Davis. I love her mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, she's actually coming to um, an HBCU here for Landry Smith, I want to say, in a couple of months. And the tickets haven't gone on sale yet, but I'm going to try my best to get one because I just, I just, she's one of those people whose hands I just want to touch one time <laughs> in life. Yeah, I love Angela Davis. Um, so have you two been following the? debates or the elections that are going on at all? I see some of the stuff that makes it to, like, mainstream social media. Not not any other debates, per se, but, like, Trump telling people to go back to where they came from, like, stuff like that that really mm-hmm. makes, like, headlines, like, when it really does something, like, crazy. I'll see that, but mm-hmm. I haven't been following the debates that much. Um, 
it's something that I want to get better with, but I don't want to get too deep into politics. I know that it matters. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to exercise my right to vote, but I feel like there's so many smoke and mirrors. Like it's all like a show. Like none of it is real mm-hmm. to me. Like I, and that's just my perspective on politics. Like they say one thing, but then behind closed doors, like it's something totally different. Like they're playing chess. Is it? And it's, mm-hmm. it's like it's hard for me to want to be a part of that game. I'd rather just be real with people, be upfront with people, uh, rather than, you know, become a part of that dog and pony show that's politics nowadays. So, you know, when I get the chance, I, I do as much research as I, as I can on a candidate, but I try not to get too involved with, with all the other stuff. But that's that's just my take mm-hmm. on it. I don't know. I'm the same way. I really pulled back from politics. And I know it's the wrong time to do that, but I know that was they know who they want to win. They already have that in their mind. I know like every vote counts, but it just feels like it really don't. And they keep saying, everybody keeps saying, you know, speak up and use your voice and go vote, but it doesn't feel like it's really helping. Like I feel like the only thing that's really going to help about is us unifying and actually doing stuff for our community and uplifting our own community at this point. Yeah, I definitely agree with both of you. Um, I definitely pulled back after 2016. I've been involved in local politics, made sure that I cast my vote for the stuff that I knew would count here. But as far as getting behind candidates and saying, oh, I want this person to win or following closely. It's almost like I've been in a bad relationship and I'm afraid to get attached to somebody because it's not going to matter because it doesn't matter who I want or who I pick. It's 50,000 people in the running right now and only one person is going to receive the party's nomination. And the chances of it being a person that I would be for are very are slim to none. And somebody's going to have to work hard for that. And like y'all said, of course, like, we want to be active in this political process. And we know our votes matter in some capacity. But as far as getting too involved in all of this, it's just, I, I don't want to put my heart into it. <laughs> I'm just not ready for that yet. That was definitely a great analogy. So, like, being in a bad relationship, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly how I feel about it. Like, <laughs> I don't even want to get my hopes up, you know. Like, I'm not even – I'm just going to wait it out, you know. Until mm-hmm. it's, like, the last minute, then we'll see what's happening then. So, uh, I can definitely <laughs> agree with that. Oh, yeah, me too. And it's like a lot of it is false promises anyway. You know, they promise you so much. They promise to make changes. They promise to make a difference. And then as soon as they're mm-hmm. elected, they don't follow through with anything. So, And just like we were yeah. talking about earlier with, like, the, the glass ceilings, you know, like if you mm-hmm. want to give back to your communities here, I, I feel politicians that really want to do the right thing are outnumbered, you know. I wholeheartedly mm-hmm. believe that most politicians are shady. I just feel like it's like a racket, you know, like it's like a social club or something. And, you know, they only put the people that they want in office. They give the jobs to the people they want to give the jobs to using our tax dollars. Um, It's Mm -hmm. a racket. I mean, it's the biggest form of corruption. And 
you know, me being from Detroit, you know, we've had the most corrupt politicians and it's, it's crazy. And I feel like cities and, you know, local and state governments suffer from the people that they have in leadership at one point in time and make it so bad so that no one can come, come along and fix it. You know, it's like, this is what the mm-hmm. program is. And I feel like that's synonymous with the states now, you know, like this country was built on blood, you know, and nonsense. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're trying to change it now, but it's like we're 400 years behind. People have ingrained this into their culture, you know, for 400 years. And it's hard to kind of step away from that. We're outnumbered. So I think mm-hmm. that's uh, a huge part of the issue. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Speaking of this country being built on blood, and not only that, but the boundaries of the country being redrawn to, I don't know, displaced indigenous people who were already a part of the country. How do you all feel about, I mean, it's it's sad that that's even a question, but the immigration issues that we're having right now and just the the mess that it is. It doesn't, it's like oxymoron. Like it just doesn't make sense, you know, like somebody can do something, but then say only I can do it. Like this country was, was no one, you know, there were Native Americans here before people mm-hmm. like came and started colonizing, colonizing here. So this country is basically full of immigrants, if you really think about it. Mm-hmm. But then now they're saying like, okay, now that we're here, we've set up a good life for ourselves. Now, now no one else can come in. And it's like, come on, dude. And, and then they say that, oh, the immigrants are causing a lot of the crimes and, and all that other stuff. That's not true, you know. Uh, right. There may be some, some petty crimes that people are doing just to survive, but that's a reaction, not not the root cause, you know. And, and the root cause is the corruption that's coming from the leadership, you know. Like, there's like 10 people in America that hold like 90% of the wealth. And mm-hmm. that's the issue. There's no – the middle class is going away. You know, it's just going to be super crazy rich people, and everybody else is going to be poor. And mm-hmm. if you set up a country like that, it's going to be like civil war number two. Like, it's going to be crazy. Like, people are going to be fighting to survive, and it's going to get bad. So don't even get me started on this whole immigration thing. I think it's <laughs> – it's backwards. It doesn't make any sense for you to want to waste money building a wall and there's people starving, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in, in the states. And all these politicians and, you know, huge company owners are, you know, and, and trustees and uh, heiresses and heirs are, you know, never worked a day in their lives and they're complaining about hardworking people that pay their taxes that just want to, you know, make a living, just want something, you know, better for themselves. So I don't, I don't even waste my breath talking about it even though I just did but <laughs> I, I, I hate you know discussing it because it just doesn't make any sense you know I don't know why mm-hmm. everybody else can realize that I was always raised you know people didn't want to be treated and it's just so sad to me like I understand they can't see themselves going through what they are putting those like what are they putting these people through you know, what they think you know that everybody so it seems really sad that people are being ripped away from the family. Just like think about if that was you and your, you know, 
and stuff where you can't see them, you don't know what's going on, but they're in harm, they're not being fed, they're not being clothed, anything like that. It seems really sad. So I know that was saying, I was just talking about that today with, like, with my cousin. Like, it's really about to be, it feels like it's about to be another war. It really is. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I see both of your points of view. It's, like you said, treat people how at least you would want to be treated. And the fact that there are so many pro-lifers who aren't for the lives of these children that they're holding in these pretty much basically concentration camps that they have them in, regardless of how good they try to make them look to the media when they're there. It's it's ridiculous. It's a horrible situation for for them to not even be from this country. They're, they descended from people who aren't from this country. And like Norvell said, now that they're here, nobody else can come. And that doesn't make any sense at all by anybody's standards, unless you just want to see a nation that's reflected of what you see when you look in the mirror. And it just shouldn't be this way. I want my reparations. That's what I said. <laughs> I, get some I know that's right. Oh my goodness! Oh, and how do you feel that that people were so upset about just the committee being put together to study reparations, not even us actually getting the reparations, just having somebody look at what it would look like, just having somebody research it caused such chaos within the country. How do you feel about that? <laughs> starting to right some of those wrongs. You know, I, I just everybody else gets reparations. If you really mm-hmm. think about it, you know, Native Americans, they got uh, land reparations, even though they're, uh, you know, kind of backpedaling on some of those deals that were made encroaching upon their land, those types of things. This country was built, you know, off of slavery. And I feel like reparations are old. Like, that's how you're going to right these, these wrongs. And a lot of people are saying, like, oh, forget about it. You know, that was a long time ago. You should just get over it, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Like, bro, that was my grandmother. Like, that that wasn't that long ago. Right. You know, like, exactly. 50 mm-hmm. years ago, I was three fifths of a human. You know, like, we couldn't even vote. Like, it's not that long ago. You know, like, this, acting like this was, you know, thousands of years ago. Like, no, bro, this was, you know, my grandmother, you know, my great grandmother. So, like, it's it's not, you know, that that far removed for us or not that you know fosters for us to say i I want some reparations man i do Mm -hmm. they're just like oh it's not feasible because you know it's gonna have to come from the pockets of those crazy rich people that got rich during those times you know now it's time to pay up so i thought it was crazy people were flipping out but it was expected you know Mm -hmm. this is how things have been yeah that was complete uh, BS. <laughs> and like you said, yeah. like, <laughs> I'll go ahead. I was about to say, like, what really upsets me is when, you know, you hear people saying, go back to where you came from, go back to where you came from. But I've seen something that said, why would I go back to to some place? But I built this place. Mm. 
we built schools, we helped raise their children and everything like that. So why would I leave when this is this is my home, you know? Mhm. And we are about to head to a quick break. I want to give out the number again for any listeners who want to call in. It is 563-999-3660. And we will get back to you. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are a strong advocate for life empowerment, like empowering a generation that has been grossly misunderstood and disparaged to shatter the misconceptions about them. No Sleep was created to give millennials a platform to express themselves and let the world know who they really are and what they believe, their values, interests, fears, and more. This is a diverse group, gender-wise and racially, that we are very, very proud of. We invite you to tune in, whether you are a millennial or not, and learn from these outstanding young people. Listen every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 7 o'clock p.m. Central for No Sleep, Shattering Millennial Misconceptions. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037, so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman, something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right, but don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. Hi, welcome back. We'll give out that number one more time. It is 563 999 3660. 
And before we start wrapping up, I want to share an announcement with you all about a virtual town hall that's going to be coming up soon. And it says, we are pleased to announce the No Sleep Millennials Changing the World Virtual Town Hall Conference. The date and time will be provided at a later date. The purpose of this town hall conference is to bring millennials across the country together in a virtual town hall environment to discuss issues and concerns of millennials, available resources, whether there is or should be a national millennial agenda, and more. We are encouraging our listeners to send us your ideas and suggestions at nosleep at cwrmedia.net or at our Millennials No Sleep Forum group on LinkedIn. We need you to contribute to making this a rewarding and enlightening experience for all. So contact us during the show, send an email, or post your questions or comments on our LinkedIn group. To get more information about the LinkedIn group and how you can join, send an email to nosleep at cwrmedia.net. And to wrap up tonight's conversation, we have reflected on different issues that have been happening across the world, different experiences that we've had, and what people that we know in our local communities are doing or have done to influence what's happening right now. And I just wanted us to take a few minutes to discuss what can we as millennials or individuals in general do to see the changes that we want to see within our communities, within our government, and across the world. I think we can do a lot, you know. I think uh, our generation has a lot of different tools at our disposal. I think we just really have to organize and really have to get after it. Um, more so just be about the action, you know. Uh, don't just talk about it, but be about it. You know, I, I have so many ideas swimming in my head that I want to do to help people, you know, try and, you know, pride myself you know, just wanting to do right by people, just wanting to do the right thing. But, you know, I have all these ideas and things that I want to do that really won't mean anything unless I put them into action. So that's something that I've been trying to practice and manifest in my daily life is to just get out there and, you know, be the change you want to see instead of just, you know, talking about all the things that are wrong in this world and woe is me, you know, actually trying exemplify that leadership that you want to see, that change that you want to see. And uh, at least you're helping to, to fix a problem instead of, you know, not helping at all or just, you know, selling wolf tickets is what I like to say. Just blowing a bunch of uh, hot steam and not really doing anything. So it's kind of my take on it. Yeah, we just have to get out there and like Melissa said, just make a change. Like, it doesn't matter about anything like that. Like making a change could easily just be I'm gonna go to an elementary school and talk to some kids or I'm gonna go to middle school and help out any way I can and donate food, donate clothes and to just have conversations so that the the younger generation they understand what is going on and what they can do when they start getting older too to help out and make a change as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with both of you. It's just all about 
finding what it is you can do and what you have to give back. And like you said, that could be in any small way possible. I know that's something that I've been trying to think about how I'm going to do now that I'm back home and trying to figure out in what capacity would I be able to give back to the different communities that are around here because I don't want to be one of those people that just blow hot smoke and just complain about all of the issues that are going on. I want to be informed so that I can help inform other people. That's one of the things that I'm best at is just helping other people to process and understand coded information that people have tried to keep from them. And so that's one of the things that I really want to focus on, helping people understand how different legislation relates to some of the issues that are going on within their communities. I want to have community engagement events in communities that are experiencing high levels of violence to see kind of like they did in Ghana, what are the causes, the effects, and the solutions that we have to these? Like what are some of the things that we can do in your area to prevent these things from continuing to happen. And I don't know, I've just always been the type of person to just get in where I fit in, basically. (laughs) Whoever will take me, that's who I'm going to serve the best way that I can because that's all I really know how to do. (laughs) Any final thoughts before we end it for tonight? Yes, no, maybe. I'm good. <laughs> did a good job closing this out. Well, yeah, next just, week. We just need to unify. Yes, we definitely need to unify. Because if we can't do that, we're not going to do anything. Well, next week, I thought it would be interesting to talk about millennials and millennials and the justice system or the laws that are going on within the United States and maybe how some of them are going to affect us or how they were written. We'll just dive into all of that when we get to it. And I will talk to you all next week. All righty. Talk to you all next week. See y'all.